your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 21. Matthew chapter 21 from verse number 18 to 22. I want you to look at your neighbor and give your neighbor a Bluetooth wave. Do you know what a Bluetooth wave is? Give them a wave. And I want you to say to them, it is already March. Whatever you are going to do, do it quickly. Hallelujah. Look at somebody else and say that it is already March. The first quarter is about to finish. Whatever you have to do, get it done now. Hallelujah. In Luke chapter, uh, sorry, Matthew chapter 21 verse 18. I don't know why I'm excited. Now in the morning, as he returned to the city, he was hungry. And seeing a fig tree by the road, he came to it and found nothing on it but leaves. And he said to it, let no fruit grow on you ever again. Immediately, the fig tree withered away. And when the disciples saw it, they marveled, saying, how did the fig tree wither so soon? So Jesus answered and said to them, Assuredly I say to you, if you have faith, somebody say, if you have faith. If you have faith, amen. If you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what, I, what was done to the fig tree, but also if you say to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, it will be done. Hallelujah. And whatever things you ask in prayer, believing, you will receive it. Someone say, whatever I ask in prayer. In belief, I will receive it. Hallelujah. Today I want to talk about the power of faith in action. The power of faith in action. Hallelujah. We have just entered a month that we call the month of faith, isn't it? Unwavering faith. Amen. Unwavering faith. And it is about time for us to not only have faith, but let our faith be put into action. Amen. Let our faith be put into action. You see, if you have half truths, it is dangerous. Uh, I don't know whether you understood what I said. If you have the truth, but just half of it, it makes you paralyzed. It paralyzes you in the sense that it makes you think that you know it. And because you know it, you don't attempt to know more than you think you know. Somebody say, I now know. Say with me, I now know that I don't know what I thought I knew. Say it again. I now know that I didn't know what I thought I knew. Hallelujah. See, one of the things that makes Christianity, that the Christian life today, the Christian life we live today, ineffective, is half-truths. Believing or knowing something, thinking that we know something, but because we don't do it to the, the fullest we, we know it in part. We know it partially. And it incapacitates us. In Hosea chapter, 
4 verse 6, it says that my people are destroyed or the people perish because of what? Lack of knowledge. You know, you can say that lack of knowledge is, is somewhat partial knowledge. Partial knowledge is lack of knowledge because you don't have in-depth knowledge in the thing. Am I making sense? And so it paralyzes us. Come with me to John chapter 14. I'm trying to lay a foundation before I start. John chapter 14. Listen to what Jesus says in verse 11 to 13. He says that, believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me. Or else believe me for the very work's sake. Somebody say, believe me because of the work. The reason why most of our friends don't believe us is because they don't see the work in us. Oh, you didn't hear what I said. They, 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 they are looking for something that they can hold on to and believe because of what, what they are seeing. And because they are not seeing the work, they can't believe. And they can't follow us. Hallelujah. The reason why our Christian, our Christian life is somewhat ineffective and doesn't go beyond what we think or who we know, what we know, and, and what, uh, who knows that we, are, we go to church on Sunday. The reason why it doesn't go beyond that is because we don't, that people don't see us doing any work because of what we believe. Amen. And Jesus is saying that even if you don't believe in me, look at the works that I'm doing and believe me because of the works. Amen. If somebody cooks very well, or, or you don't know that the person cooks very well, but they present food for you, and you eat, and it's the best food you have ever had. And then the next time you go and see them in the kitchen cooking, and after they finish cooking, they present the food to you, and it's the best meal, or it's better than the best meal you've had. What would you call them? You call them what? A chef. You call them a best chef. Why are you calling them a chef? Have they shown you their uh, chef certificate? Have they told you the type of chef school they went to? But why do you believe that they are the best chef? Because there's proof. The proof is the food you have eaten. And so, even if they, they try to convince you that they've never been to a culinary school or a chef school, you won't believe it. Because no ordinary person can cook the way the, that particular person has cooked. Are you with me? And so when they tell you, after they've cooked a few times for you, when they tell you, I'm going to do something that is even better than everything that I've done, would you not believe them? Why would you believe them? Because they've proven themselves. Amen. I'm laying a foundation, so I hope you are following. Are you getting? Because of their works, verse 12 says that, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believes on me, the works that I do, shall he do also. Amen. And greater works than this will he do because I go to my father. Let's read this scripture again. I want you to read it with me. Verse 12. Ready? Go. Most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than this he will do because I go to my father. Amen. So, if Jesus was speaking to his followers and we happen to be part of his followers, then he's saying to us tonight 
that verily, verily, or most assuredly, I say to you, the works that I do shall you do also. And not only stop there, but greater works than these shall you do because I go to my Father. Can I submit to you? Can I submit to you that when somebody gives you an instruction or when somebody says something to you, the extent of your belief will depend on the person who is saying it. Um, if I say to, um, who, who can I, okay. If I say to Joe, Joe, I'm going to give you after church, remind me, I'm going to give you 1,000 pounds. You see? <laughs> now, now, he just asked the question, is it an example or am I really saying something? Should he take it literally? Why, why do you think he's asking that question? Because he believes that I can do it. If Paniel, Paniel, stand up. If Paniel comes and says to you that, Joe, I will give you 1,000 pounds after the grace, would you ask the question, are you making an example or why, why would you not ask? Because you see the background, you see the person that we are talking about, they don't look like 1,000 pounds. <laughs> Are you getting what I'm trying to say? Please sit down, sit down. So I'm trying to make us understand that if Peter has said this word, we would be behaving the way we are behaving. If Andrew had said this word, we would be behaving the way we are behaving. But for it to come from Jesus, that the works that I do, shall you do also. And greater than this shall you do because I go to the Father. Then that word is not the same as Paniel's word or Peter's word or Andrew's word or my word. Amen. So the person who says it and the belief you have in the person is very, very important. Amen. Verse 30 says that, And whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Amen. Remember we said this month is a month of faith, right? And we use Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 7 to 8, which says that blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is in the Lord. For he shall be like a tree planted by the waters, which spreads out its root by the river, by the river, and he will not fear when the heat comes, but his leaves will be green and will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will cease from yielding fruit. Amen. It's a very powerful scripture, isn't it? The man who believes and puts his trust in the one who is able to do 
in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, that unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask or think according to the power that is our work in us. Unto him that is able to do. The one who is able to do. You see, the one who is able to do, when he says that I'll give you 1,000 after uh, the service, it is not an example. You can start writing your uh, budget with that 1,000, even before you get it. Why? Because you know that he's able to do more than that. Hallelujah. You see, in, in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, the Bible says that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it, for by faith, the elders obtained a good report. And we know that all things were made, all things that we can see are made of the things that we can't see. They are made of words. They were made of, of commands. They were made by faith, which you cannot see. And that is what has produced what we see. Am I making sense? So, so, so faith is the action you take based on the conviction you have about the one who has given you the word of command. Faith is the conviction that you have, which makes you take an action. Faith is an action that you take based on the conviction you have in the one who has given you the command. Okay? So, there is, there is an equation. I wish, I wish you could write this equation for me. Conviction plus obedience equals action based on faith. This is very, very important. Can you write the equation on the, on the screen for me? Conviction plus obedience equals action based on faith. Conviction plus obedience equals action based on faith. I want us to understand what we as Christians practice. That's why I'm giving you this uh, equation. Can you write it? Have you written it? Conviction plus obedience equals action based on faith. Amen. Conviction alone does not equal faith. It equals belief. So conviction plus obedience equals what? Action based on faith. Is Jesus the son of God? Did Jesus say that the things I do shall you do also? And greater works than this shall you do? Okay. If you know it and you are not convinced by it and you don't obey it, you will not take an action. So what you are doing is you have a belief. Today in the church, we have beliefs, but we don't have faith in action. Because we are not convinced to take that step because of the one who has given us the instruction. Uh, I don't know whether you, the way you are looking at me, I'm not sure whether you understood what I said. You see, faith is action. Okay? Don't let anybody tell you they have faith if there's no action backing what they say they believe. 
Do you understand what I'm saying? Do not let anybody tell you that they believe anything if you cannot see any action. A lot of Christians have beliefs and so they pray a lot, but they do nothing, which equals unbelief. You didn't get what I said. A lot of us, we pray a lot, but the prayer doesn't yield anything because the prayer is not backed by action. Are you with me? He says that you shall heal the sick. Do you understand what I'm saying? Which means that, one, you must be convinced by the one who says you shall heal the sick. That's the first thing. And be convinced enough to take the action to lay your hands on somebody who is sick. That's the second thing. And then third thing, to believe and command and expect the person to be healed. Hallelujah. A lot of us, we believe, but we don't take the action. We pray. We don't pray for the person or we don't command the person. We don't take the act of faith. We don't take the step of faith to make it happen. We just stay in our room or we stay around and pray and hope that miraculously something will happen. And guess what? Nothing happens because we have not taken the action. Can I prove what I'm saying? Or I say, can I prove what I'm saying? Come with me to Matthew chapter 14. I want to prove what I just said. I want you to understand. I'm trying to lay the foundation. We are going to go on this journey for the next four, three weeks, four weeks. That's uh, Matthew, Matthew 14, 22. I'm going to prove this, what I just said. Verse 22, all the way down. Let's go all the way. We'll go down to about 30. He says that immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side. While he sent the multitudes away, and he sent the multitudes away, and he went on the mountains by himself to pray. Now, when the evening came, he was alone there, but the boat was in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. And the fourth, uh, the fourth watch, in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, it is a ghost. And they cried out of fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, be of good cheer, it is I. Do not be afraid. Who is speaking? I said, who is speaking? So Jesus is speaking. And Peter answered him, saying, Lord, if it is you, command me to come on the water. And he said, come. When Peter had come out of the boat, he walked on the water to Jesus. How many people were in the boat? At least we know that there were about 12 of them, if not more. Are you with me? There were 12 of them. How many of the 12 had the command? That we do not be afraid, it's I. How many of the 12 really believed that Jesus is the Son of God? All of them. Am I proving my case? Which one of them believed that Jesus can make you walk on the water? Only one. So you see, we all hear the word of God. 
We believe in the word of God. We all hear Jesus commanding. We believe in his commandment. We all hear everything. But how many will take the step? That, 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 is, that, is, that is where... That, that is where the rubber meets the road. That is where the rubber meets the road. And that is where most of us as Christians are found wanting. Because we believe. But the conviction to take the action is not there. So, you see, two plus one equals what? Three. Two without one can never be three. Do you, do you, do you understand what I'm saying? If, let's say, three is the action. If you do two and you don't add the one, forget about two. The results will never happen. Uh, I don't know whether you are getting what I'm saying. So you see, now Peter comes out of the boat. How many would believe that, you see, to, to get out of the boat in the middle of the, 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 the night, when the wind is... Even those who are in the boat are afraid. Those who are in the boat are struggling to stay afloat and, 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 and to, to, to put one leg out and then add another leg out. You have to confront something called fear. Um, I don't know whether you understand what I'm saying. You have to confront what? Fear. And the reason why most of us as Christians don't see the hand of God in our lives is because of the fear of failure. It's the fear that we may drown. It's the fear that people will laugh at us. It's the fear that we are being too known. Uh, I don't know whether you are getting, I don't know whether I'm preaching to the right congregation because nobody's responding to what, what I'm saying. It's, it's the fear of us falling flat on our face. The reason why most Christians today do not do anything and don't see the hand of God, we have become Bible scholars, religious fanatics. People who have the, the, the book knowledge, who have analysis of paralysis, we can, we can divide the word. We can permutate the word. We can, we can dissect the word. We can uh, 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 pull the words apart and, and give us 20,000 meanings. We, we know the he, Greek version, the Hebrew, the Hebrew. We know everything. We know the protest of the context of the text. And we can explain all that. Do you understand? But two without one will never make three. There will never ever be a manifestation if our conviction doesn't lead us into action. Hallelujah. Today, I'm not interested in the word of God per se. Because I know we know the word of God. I, I, I am more interested today in conviction into action. That is the one that we need to add to the two to make the three. 
Hallelujah. He says that Jesus, if it is you, command me to come to you. And Jesus said what? Come. How many know that Jesus will always say, come? In Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, he said what? Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you what? Rest. Jesus is always saying, come. Now, if you have guts, and you are not afraid to fail, then you do what? You come. And when you come, what is going to happen? You will take a step. And guess what? You walk on the water. But somebody say fear. Fear is the thing that paralyzes us. Until today, the only disciple that walked on water is Peter. Why? Because <laughs> Peter is bigging himself up. <laughs> but I haven't seen you walk on anything. <laughs> <laughs> Hallelujah. Are you understand what I'm saying? Stepping out on faith is the missing link to our Christianity. Faith is based on conviction that you have that the one who is asking you to come is worth his word. Amen. See, every significant person in the Bible had to take the risk to walk in obedience to God based on the conviction they had in God. Everybody. In Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, the Bible says that, And God said to Abraham, Get out of your country from your family from your father's house to the land that I will show you. Did he know the land? No. Second verse. The Bible says, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great and you shall be a blessing. Okay, we've heard that. We believe that. Next verse. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. This is all the Christians. Now we are all saying amen. Who curses you? In you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. We all say Amen. But the fourth verse is that problem. So Abraham being convinced. Now, how many know that this particular scenario, this particular uh, story, was not God appearing as himself? White with a long beard. You know, my son, my son, my son, Abraham, I'm calling you. I'm call no, 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 there was nothing like that. It, it was like a dream. He was asleep. And then he, he, he dreamt that somebody said, somebody, God, is saying that get out of your father's house and your mother's house to the land that I'll show you. And I'll make your name great and make you a blessing so that anyone who blesses you will be blessed. Anyone who curses you will be cursed. And then the morning you get up, based on the dream you had, you pack your things and you leave the place of comfort. You leave the place that you know. And you get onto the desert. How I many you know that the desert is a very scary place? Because the desert, you don't know. As soon as you go past a few kilometers, 
you forget the, the way leading back to your, your home. And everywhere looks like everywhere. Remember, he hasn't given you a map. There's no GPS. There's no tom-tom. There's no address. And there are no people on the way that you can ask, oh, can you show me how to get to the well? Uh, <laughs> I don't know whether you are getting the message. You know, the, the verse 4 is what differentiates some Christians from the rest of us. So Abraham departed as the Lord, conviction on the one who has instructed him, had spoken to him and went with him. Now look at the cheek of it. Went and Lot went with him. He, the cheek of it that he carries other people. You must have a certain boldness and a certain type of craziness to be sure that this thing that you had in your dream is going to happen. You know, if, if I were Abraham, I would probably, me, me, knowing me, I would probably do what Abraham did. I'm crazy like that. I will probably do what Abraham did. But surely I won't go with my family. Especially my wife. Because my wife will ask you questions. Not that she doesn't believe, but she will ask you questions. And sometimes by the time she finishes asking the third question, you feel very stupid. You, you feel that, no, maybe I didn't really hear. So what food did you eat in the night? What movies were you watching before you went to sleep? What word did you hear? How did he, how did he sound? Which is not a sin. It's, it's good. But sometimes our logic and our way we process things is what stops us from taking some actions. Do you understand what I'm saying? Based on you, you might, you might take the, the, the step. But when somebody asks you what you are doing, that thing alone makes you look for, sound foolish. Because it doesn't make sense. Uh, I don't know whether you, whether you understand what I'm saying. It doesn't make sense at all. See, if you ask me to define faith, I'll say faith is, faith does not make sense until after the action. Uh, I don't know whether you understand what I'm saying. Faith doesn't make sense when you are doing it. Or before you do it, faith only makes sense after you have done it. So you see, we, when Abraham was going through this chapter uh, uh, 12, verse 4, it didn't make sense. Who spoke to you? God. What dress was he wearing? What language did he speak? Where was he? Was he standing or sitting? I don't know. Ah, so how do you believe that it is God? Has he spoken to you before? How do you, how do you know that it is God and not Satan? How do you know it's not the food you ate that is speaking to you? Because the Bible says that there are, it may be so many kinds of voices and none without signification, which means that even food can speak. Do you understand? Food can speak. How many other food can speak? Alcohol too can speak. 
alcohol will tell you to slap your mother-in-law. <laughs> isn't, that, isn't that true? Or alcohol can tell you to tell your mother-in-law off. And the next morning when you wake up and you, you are told what you said, you feel so embarrassed. But alcohol spoke to you to speak. <laughs> so you see, who, who spoke to you, Abraham? How do you know it was God? Where did he say he should go? He said, I don't know. He says he will tell me. He will tell you when. Who starts a journey without having a destination? Um, I don't know whether you understand what I'm saying. No, you must have a destination before you start the journey. You don't just get up and say, I'm leaving. I'm going somewhere. Where are you going? If someone says, How, where are you going? What do you say? And not only does he go by me, I would have gone by myself. Knowing me, if I was in his shoes, and I'm convinced, I'll go by myself. But he takes his wife, his nephew, and everything he has, and goes. In Galatians chapter 3, now they are saying that we are all descendants of Abraham because we are children of faith. Because our father, he is a father of faith who took the first action. But when he was taking the action in this verse, it wasn't make sense. <laughs> are you getting what I'm saying? It's after the event that they say, therefore you know that you only those who are of faith are the sons of what? Abraham. Now his action has become something that we are all following. Um, I don't know whether you understand what I'm saying. Why? Because he took that action. So the action has shown us that he's a man of faith. You know, it is not a belief that made him a man of faith. It is not the knowledge of the word that made him a man of faith. It is the conviction of the one that spoke to him that made him take the action that made him a man of faith. Am I making sense? Am I proving my case to you? So, 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 Look, look, at, look at another example. Look at another example. Esther chapter 4 verse 15. Then Esther told them to reply to Mordecai, go gather all the Jews who are present in Shushan and fast for me, neither eat nor drink for three days, for, for three days, night or day. And my mate and I will fast likewise. So I will go to the king, which is against the law, and if I perish, I perish. See, that attitude, if I perish, I perish, is what we lack. It is if I perish, I perish, that made Peter get out of the boat. Because if you look at the next verse, the Bible says, and when Peter saw the wind... You know, that scripture always fascinates me. Go back to it. <laughs> that, 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 uh, in verse 30, it's uh, Matthew 4, 14, 30. 
That, that scripture always fascinates me. And when Peter saw the wind, boisterous, he was afraid. And he began to sink. Which means that even in the action of faith, fear never leaves. <laughs> you didn't get the revelation there. Even in the action of faith, fear never leaves. When he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid and began to sink. And he cried out aloud, saying, Lord, save me. I, I, I want you to see some a revelation in this scripture we just looked at. The revelation I want you to see is that even when God has called you to come, and God is in it, and God is looking at you coming. Failure is also part of the success. Uh, did you understand that? You see, failure is a process that must never ever be the reason why we don't take the action. Because it's part of success. There is nobody in the world, nobody in life who has ever succeeded in anything without having failed in nothing before. Are you with me? So, failure must never be the reason why you don't do something. Um, you are not minding me. I don't know whether I'm preaching to a proper congregation or... If I had a proper congregation by now, you'd be standing and holding your chair and jumping up and down with the word. But it looks like you, um, I've entered the Catholic Church or some place like that. No disrespect to the Catholic Church. But failure is something that all of us from today, I want you never to be afraid of it. Are you with me? Never be afraid of failure because failure is part of the process. How many know that uh, Usain Bolt has lost a lot of more races than he's won? He has lost more races than he has won. If he's the best 100 meter runner in history, he has lost more races than he's won. But you see, you can never be the best 100-meter runner in the world without losing some races. So if you're afraid to be a, a, a loser of 100 meters, you will never ever be a winner of 100 meters. Oh, you missed a good place to put your hands together. Hallelujah. If you are afraid to fail, you are afraid to succeed. The reason why most Christians don't do much is because they are afraid to fail. And invariably, it means that we are afraid to succeed. And so, God or Jesus stands in the water and sits all of us in the boat. And we all put our heads down as if we haven't seen Jesus. Just in case he tells us to come. Uh, 
We don't want to have. Yeah, have you have you ever been in a class and you don't want that you don't have eye contact because the teacher might ask you a question because the teacher is about to ask a question and you know that this question you have no idea. So you 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 you, you start shuffling your papers or trying to be busy because you don't want the person to. Because sometimes he's forgotten your name. He's trying to look at your face so he can remember your name. So you look elsewhere. Should in case. But not so with Peter. Peter volunteered. Lord, if it is you, command me to come. Have you seen a kid who is always... Teacher, teacher, call me, tell me. Before the teacher can ask the question. Teacher, 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 call me, call me. And sometimes they get the answer wrong. When they get the answer, you see the rest of the class. I am sure when when Peter, the wind was boisterous and he he began to sink and say, Lord, save me. He said, too known, too known, too known. Too known. We are all safe in the boat. You alone. You want everybody to know that we are not doing much. You are the one who has faith. Now look at you sinking. God don't punish you there. But he was the one who gave the first sermon. Because, not because he was the best out of the lot. But he was the one who took the action. Based on his conviction. The rest of them, they are like us. They believe. But their belief is in their pocket. (laughs) Hallelujah. Esther knew, Esther told Mordecai that the culture of this place is such that if you go to the presence of the king, on a day that he hasn't called you to come, you can lose your head. You see, to really have faith in God, it's, it's that thing. It's either you succeed or you lose your head. And for the people who succeed are those who say, if I perish, I perish. Hallelujah. You know, if Abraham had gone based on his dream or the conviction of his dream and went and maybe like two or three days journey and then a lion or a tiger or a snake or anything caught them on the wayside and ate him, or not him, probably ate his nephew. Can you imagine the replication of the action of Abraham? Can you imagine the the amount of pressure or drama that the family would have caused? Abraham, did you really calculate all these things before you took the step? Did you analyze all these things? What insurance policy do you have? What travel policy, travel insurance do you have? 
What if you encounter lack of water in the wilderness? Have you thought of all these things? How many days journey are you going? Because you don't know where they, they say you should go. So how, how much water did you take? How much food did you take? Are you sure that the food you took was enough to, to cover this journey? If you say you are moving from here to maybe Milton Keynes, you know it's about, give or take, 100, 120, 130 miles. Right? Is it? Am I right? About 130 miles from here. And you know that if you are doing, say, 10 miles a day, or, or let's say 20 miles a day, it's going to take you about five, six, seven days to get there if you are walking. So if you, you take that number of amount of food that will last, maybe give or take eight days, just in case, isn't it? And you take the amount of water that will last. Why? Because you already know the, the, the destination. So you are prepared for the journey. But you are going to a place that you don't know the destination. Just in case, just in case, that as you thought you were going to Milton Keynes, he ends up taking you to Dover. Now Dover, from here to Dover, is about 400 miles. And you have 100 miles food, 150 miles food. What do you think? Are you going to be Abraham? How many are the next Abraham in this, in this place? <laughs> and that is why most of us do not see the hand of God. Because we don't like to live on the edge. We like to be in control of affairs. Rather than being left to the mercies and the wind of God. Hallelujah. I remember I was a pastor of a church. Doing very well. Thriving. We did four services every Sunday. Big church. Doing great. About 12 or so, 13 branches. Doing great. One day my pastor comes and he says, get thee out of your mother's house and your father's house to a land. Now, to move from where I was to the land that I didn't know anybody, like I said to you, if it was me, I'll go alone. So I went alone. I left, I left my mother, my, my, my wife, and my children, and I went alone. Yeah. I remember I got to Paris at 9 p.m. I didn't know anybody. Never been to Paris all my, ever in my life. And I am going as a missionary and I get to Paris 9 p.m. I don't know anybody. I don't know anybody in, in Paris. Not even one acquaintance. And I get to Paris and 9 p.m. And I'm driving around Paris city center. Paris is like driving. Just imagine you go somewhere like London. Don't, everywhere looks like everywhere. 
and there's so many people around. And I'm just driving around, looking for a place to stay. Looking for somebody's house to stay. By 1 a.m., 1 a.m., I found a lady's house, a lady who was asleep, was awoken by somebody who knew somebody who knew somebody who called her and they said to me, go to this house. And I went to the house. I knocked on the door. I don't know the person from Adam. 1 a.m. I go to knock on this door. It was about the 14th or the 15th floor of a, a tower building. I knock. I don't speak French. The person to don't speak English. I'm trying. I'm using a practical example that when you go on a, out on a limb in faith, God always provides somebody. God will always provide something. Hallelujah. That will catch you. 1 a.m. I went to this person's house. I stayed in a house for four months, four and a half months or five months. We always have conversation. I don't speak French. She don't speak English. But we can, we can chat from morning to night. And from night to the next morning. All my vocabularies are only 10 in French. And her vocabularies in, in English is only five. <laughs> Hallelujah. But this lady kept me in a house for more than four months, free of charge. I'd never paid a pound. She cooked, ate. We did the church, started the church. I'm giving you a practical example. Can you imagine if I came right now and I said to Pastor Sam, Pastor Sam, get out of your mother's house and your house. I'm telling you to Bulgaria. It's not French, it's not English. Can you imagine driving from here to Bulgaria? Through Dover. My sister said to me, did you kill Jesus? I, and this is my sister who is a pastor's wife. It's not that she's an unbeliever. This is a pastor's wife. She said, are you crazy? You have a good job. You are an accountant. You resign your job. And you are going to a land where you don't know anybody. When are you going to find a place? When are you going to find a job? How are you going to live? I made a mistake. I went to my sister. I said to my sister, please, from today, I want you to promise me that every month you send 150 pounds. That's, that is the same one I got in return. She never sent me a pound. She never sent one pound to me. And it's not like she, she's very rich. She's very wealthy. She has a very, very good job. But she never sent one pound. And the people I thought was, would back me with finances. See, when you're going, my church members, oh, God be with you. Oh, pastor, you are powerful. 
I thought that they would be occasionally organized like a, a, some something, some collection. You know, like, a, a, what do you call it? A Philippians 4. It says that, not that I needed, uh, what do you call it? Not that I needed um, provisions, but you sent it out of your free will. And therefore, my God shall supply your needs. No, they never, sup- they never sent anything. Guess what? For some reason, God kept us. We didn't know where the next meal was coming from. We didn't know where the next rent was coming from. But somehow, by the end of the month, the rent comes. Provision comes. And you see, when you go on the limp like that, God doesn't give you 20,000 pounds that you can live on. He gives you just enough for today. <laughs> Which means that you have to believe him for tomorrow. So every time your, 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 your heart is in your stomach. <laughs> Are you getting what I'm saying? Yeah. But that is the place that most of us Christians don't want to live. Because that place is too crazy. That place is too, you know, it's working on water is not an easy thing. Because not only are you going to be unsteady, but you'll be going up and down. Hallelujah. I want to challenge us from today to become people who are not based on the word, but based on, on the conviction of the word, we take action. We don't stop at believing, but we go beyond believing to put what we have heard, knowing that faithful is he who has said it, who will also what? Do it. So we're going to take a journey on practical faith. Hallelujah.